Welcome to Madison City Channel's Know Your Candidates interviews, co-sponsored by the League of Women Voters of Dane County. I'm your moderator, Brooke Soltwet, and I will be interviewing Ishmael Ozan, who is running in the August 9th Democratic primary for Dane County District Attorney. As you may have noticed, we have changed the format of the program a little. We're now interviewing candidates individually rather than all at once. However, all candidates will be asked the same questions as time allows. All questions have been prepared by league members. So to begin, what is your professional, educational, and civic background that qualifies you for Dane County District Attorney, and why are you running? Well, that's a very good question. Um, well, I graduated from UW-Madison undergrad and law school. Uh, I worked in the Dane County District Attorney's Office uh, since 1998 to 2008 as an assistant district attorney prosecuting domestic violence and then felony drug cases, uh, pretty much everything from OWI first to first degree intentional homicide. Uh, in 2008, Governor Doyle appointed me uh, executive assistant at the Department of Corrections and then deputy secretary. So I was third and then second in charge uh, at the largest state agency we have in the criminal justice system, uh, in charge of $1.2 billion in budget, uh, 20000 inmates at the time, 10,000 employees, and 70,000 people on supervision in the community. So I know from local and state level uh, what it takes to keep our community safe. And why are you running? And why am I running? I'm running because I believe that this community can be better. I believe our criminal justice system can be effective and equitable. Um, and that's what I've been doing since 2010 when Governor Doyle appointed me Dane County District Attorney, uh, becoming the first African-American district attorney, not only in Dane County, but in state's history. Uh, and I believe we've changed the system more in six years than have been done in the last 20. Thank you. Few people would disagree that race clearly plays a role in the criminal justice system overall and in Dane County. Many people argue that prosecutors are both part of the problem and part of the solution. What are the critical issues involving prosecutors and race, and how do you plan to address these problems in your term of office? Well, I think that we have addressed them. We've put on statewide conferences that have looked at implicit bias, looked at uh, culture, uh, religion, uh, and history. Um, we've taken these issues head on. Uh, being the first African-American district attorney, uh, when I was sworn in, I stated that my goals were to take on racial disparities head on as well as protect children, and that's what we've done. Um, I've increased diversion in Dane County in our office. I've worked with the courts to uh, increase capacity in drug court through the reorganization. Under my tenure, OWI court and vets court have come into existence here in Dane County, uh, and I've created a child abuse initiative that takes on head on racial disparities. Uh, we've created a no-hit zone, which is a true prevention uh, initiative, and we're getting national attention for that. Uh, I'd also say that our community restorative court, uh, I was essential in bringing that into existence. It was not in existence two years ago. Uh, and now, hopefully, people will become aware of it and become aware of the power that restorative justice can have in uh, empowering victims and giving them a voice in the system where they, in the past, had not had one. Thank you. Do you feel that too many people are locked up in Dane County or Wisconsin, the Dane County Jail or Wisconsin prison? And if so, uh, what is your position on diversion programs that you already alluded to? 
both before sentencing, things like the restorative justice program, and uh, after sentencing, like the first offenders program? Well, the first offenders program or our deferred prosecution does not have to be after sentencing. And actually, most of those cases are not uh, after sentencing. They're actually prior to. Um, our specialty courts, for the most part, uh, many of them are post-conviction models. Now, when you talk about mass incarceration, uh, I, I think we can't say that it doesn't exist. We can't say that it doesn't have a disproportionate impact on persons of color. What we have to say and what I think is lost in many of our conversations about racial disparities, about disproportionate impact, is this. Yes, there are too many persons of color in the system. But when we look at offenders in the system, we also have to remember their victims are also here, and we need to protect them and give them a voice. And the majority of victims of persons of color are also persons of color. So we should have these discussions about making the system effective but equitable, but we cannot forget the victims. And far too often, that's what I'm seeing when I'm on these panels, when I'm at these groups, when we're talking about diversion. People are not talking about the victim's voice. Now, that's what really brings the power to restorative justice. It gives the victim a stronger role in the process, talking about what pain was caused, what harm was caused, and in how to restore that um, and repair that harm, as well as holding the offender accountable. So what I think we need to start talking about is, yes, how do we um, make the system better? Now, we're in Dane County the second largest county in the state, fastest growing, and my office is at 1985 staffing levels. I'm not trying to look at how we can prosecute more people faster and more effectively. What I'm doing is looking for the truth and getting to the root cause of what brings people to the system. Now, we hold violent offenders accountable. We do very well. No one can say that we don't. That said, we need to get to the root cause of what brings our low-level offenders our youthful offenders to the system and address those root causes so that we actually can make a difference and make sure that they don't come back to the system. And that's what we're doing. You have already alluded to this, but our next question is, uh, what is your position on specialty courts such as drug court, OWI court, and veterans court? And should these types of courts be expanded? Specialty courts are the best treatment model the criminal justice system has to offer, and there is no doubt. They really do have an impact on offenders uh, and the ability for an offender to turn their life around and, and become a success in the community again. Um, so I don't argue with that. What I would say, though, is why should we have to bring somebody all the way through the criminal justice system to get them help? So what I've looked to do is create initiatives on the front end and where possible keep people out of the system. We have a legislature that has basically made it legal for employers and landlords to use the information on CCAP to deny somebody housing or deny somebody employment. Um, not that it didn't happen in the past, but now it is legal. Um, if we can get to somebody and change their behavior in a positive manner, without bringing them into the system, without putting them on CCAP, without labeling and giving them a hurdle they have to get over for the rest of their life, that's what's best for that individual. That's what's best for the community. That's what makes us stronger and safer. If mass incarceration actually made us safer, you know, then we shouldn't have any crime right now. That's not where we are. So 
I'm looking to move us into the future. I'm looking to strengthen the victim's voice, and I'm looking to try and do so in a way that keeps people out of the system where possible. If we can actually do that, we would be much better. Now, even though we're at 1985 staffing levels, what I say to people is this. I'm not looking to say, you need to give me more resources. We need to have adequate resources, but if you really want to make us safer, you really want to make a difference, we should be actually investing in birth to three. We should be setting children up for the best ability and opportunity to succeed, and that would be birth to three. Thank you. In the last few years, there seems to have been a significant amount of turnover in the Dane County DA's office. What do you believe is the cause, and do you have any proposed solutions? Well, a lot of the cause is retirement. I mean, we have been fortunate in Dane County to have prosecutors who have been prosecuting for close to 30-plus years. Um, so a lot of it is turnover. And frankly, when I was an assistant, when I was on ASP and sat on the Gang of 18 and lobbied the legislature, what I said to them is we could fund pay progression, we could fund more, more assistant district attorneys if you just allowed the program to maintain the savings once people at the top retire. Once people at the top retire, their salary and, and benefits could actually fund multiple attorneys at the bottom and move people through the pay range. Um, so what you are seeing is that natural progression. Now also, since people aren't moving through the pay range, you are seeing people take other jobs. Frankly, if you're in the DA's office and you step out to the U.S. Attorney's Office, to the Department of Justice, it's likely you're getting $30,000 more and less work. And with that, we can't compete. I can't say, um, here, let us match. Let us just match what you're going to get when you step out. No, I have to say congratulations, thank you for your service, and I know that you are still going to be fighting the good fight for us and the citizens of Wisconsin. So that's part of it. Um, and when you have people at the top retiring, you have people in the middle who want to start a family who have a huge, huge place in their heart for this work, you know, but they can't pay their loans. They can't get a new car. They can't get a house. They, they want to have children. They want to move forward. You have to be moving people through the pay range in order for us to maintain what we as citizens expect the level of service should be in the district attorney's office. And we do that through experience not through people coming in to get huge amounts of money. You don't get rich being a public servant, but you do feel good about what you do every day. Thank you. How do you view your role in terms of prosecutorial discretion on what cases and crimes to charge? And do you feel that discretion on what to charge and whom to charge is being applied uniformly and fairly in Dane County? Well, those are very good questions prosecutorial discretion, we in the prosecutor's office um, arguably have the most power in the criminal justice system. We hold the cards, and it is important that we deal them fairly. It is important that we make sure that we not only protect our integrity, but the integrity of the system, and that we stand up for victims. Um, that is what we need to teach within the prosecutorial ranks. Now, it's sort of a dual role. We are charged with holding people accountable for violations of the law. At the same time, we are also charged with protecting the people from an overreach from the government. So we are sort of within this balance. Um, so we will not always agree with the courts because our charge is to be best prepared to defend the people and the community. Um, and we need to do so in a fair and just manner. And this is sort of the transition that we're in. 
We need to be teaching our young prosecutors discretion. We need to teach them the morality of being a prosecutor. We need to teach them about the ethics of integrity. And that's what we are trying to transfer knowledge from those who have had 30 years in the system to those who have had two to three. Um, it is a challenge, but I am so excited about the new hires that we've had, the people who are coming in who are hungry, as I was when I started in 1998. Um, we have an incredible future ahead of us because these people are coming in with hunger for justice, and that's what we need to be fostering. What would you like to say to the viewing audience as we complete this interview? You know, I would like to say I am so proud of my record, of what we've been able to accomplish in the six years that I've been your district attorney. Um, I couldn't have dreamed up this last six years of my wildest nightmare. Um, from the open meetings law that took me to the state Supreme Court, to our longest oral argument in the state Supreme Court's history, uh, to the fact that in my six years, I am now deciding our 15th officer-involved shooting. When Brian Blanchard, the same position in 10 years, only had seven. And two of those in the last month before I took office in August of 2010. Things are changing, but I am so happy that people have come to the table. We are actually addressing some of the same issues that are seen around the nation. We are struggling with use of force. We are talking about disproportionate impact on persons of color. We are talking about being equitable and what does that mean and what does that mean for justice. And people of all walks of life are at the table. You know, the legislature changed the statute and said law enforcement can no longer investigate themselves. My predecessors had told law enforcement time and again that they didn't necessarily agree with law enforcement investigating themselves. But it took me coming in to bring all 27 agencies to the table, to sit down with all of the chiefs and say, listen, let's, let's put something together. Dane County had a model policy to um, agree that agencies would not investigate themselves when officer-involved incidents occurred prior to the legislation taking effect. That took me making sure that I made the chief's meetings, making sure that I made those connections with law enforcement. It wasn't a situation that I could have done if I was in the courthouse handling a full caseload and being dictated to by the court as to when my availability would be to get out and get to these meetings and get to these groups and build these relationships. My job, as I've seen it right now in our time, is to be a change agent and to try and change this system for the better. That's what I'm doing. That's why you see the Community Restorative Court, which will be a national model, I believe. That's why when you look at Google No Hit, we are getting national attention. If you Google No Hit, don't put anything else in. We're going to be number two on that Google search. Kentucky is in front of us, but they were the first children's hospital, I believe, to have a No Hit zone. And I think you're going to see No Hit take off across the nation. UW Children's Hospital, I believe, will come on this fall with a campaign. You know, we're just talking to the city of Stoughton as well, who I hope will uh, agree to make their public areas no hit. We've talked to Head Start. So this is an exciting time and a time for change. And, and I just couldn't be prouder of being part of that and being part of this community that I've been a lifelong resident for. And now I have the honor of raising two incredible, uh, incredibly gifted daughters 
um, with my wife, uh, Stacy. So this is, this is great. You know, when you talk about my history here, my grandpa, you know, headed the school for workers and helped start labor unions. My mother was the youngest member of SNCC in 1964. At 17, went through Mississippi registering people to vote, risking her life, you know, searching for the, the, the missing civil rights workers. Um, that's my history. That's what I bring here, and that's what I'm putting to work every single day, inside and outside of the office, for the citizens of this community. Thank you. We're out of, out of time, unfortunately. I want to thank Ishmael Ozan for speaking with us and the viewing audience for taking the time to know your candidates. Please remember to vote on Tuesday, August 9th. On behalf of Madison City Channel and the League of Women Voters of Dane County, I thank you for joining us. Yeah.